Since you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, have you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, why did this happen to me? Well, you're not alone. I did too. But this is a time when you're given two choices. One, you let those four nasty words that you've been told, you have breast cancer, stop us from living. Or two, we can take what we've been given to us and use it as fuel on our path to healing, growth, self-discovery, and to bring out the best of us and become the hero of our journey while we get to inspire others to do the same. Join my inspiring guests and me on our mission to help women just like you with what we discovered on our hero's journey through breast cancer. This is a place where we share all the tools and knowledge we've learned to develop the courage, resilience, mindset and self-love needed to start living your full life like you might never have done before. I am Grace DeAngeli and I welcome you to Breast Cancer Hero's Journey Podcast. Welcome home. Welcome everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. I am super excited to be speaking to a retired physician. Now today I'm going to be talking to Robert Yoho. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his surname no, correctly. Um, he calls himself, well, he's a 67 year old physician, first of all, as I said, retired physician, also a whistleblower, medical whistleblower. He practiced practiced medicine in the United States and retired two years ago. Now, Robert actually wrote two books, one of them being called uh, Butchered by Healthcare and the other one, Hormone Secrets. So I really love hearing about what, you know, we talk about Western medicine and everything that's involved, but I love to hear both sides of the story and especially coming from someone on that side. Um, having said all of this, welcome, Robert. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, thank you, Grace. It's a it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm sorry I was a moment late getting figured out. The Australian versus the Los Angeles time was a little beyond me. So thanks again for That's being patient with me. And I didn't even have That's a shirt on a minute ago. I had to run off and put a shirt on. <laughs> so, um, so I my journey is is kind of a interesting one, and I gradually red pilled myself about a lot of things. And I was a cosmetic surgeon, sort of happily practicing. And in, you know, inserting breast implants, I had a, a, a more general background, though. I was a, an emergency physician once. And so I uh, was, uh, I had all these women in their 50s who had terrific menopause symptoms. And rather than treating them with surgery, which was inappropriate in my view, and it's what a lot of plastic surgeons just go ahead and do, um, I would just pretty much for free, I would help them with a trial of, uh, of hormone therapy and uh, if, if they were interested. And so it was easy to do if they were in surgery, I could put a testosterone pellet in them and they would heal quicker and they would get relief of their menopausal symptoms. And I, of course, you know, you have to have someone with the appropriate history and an appropriate age group and the appropriate consent. So I would get that. And I eventually got interested enough in this that I wrote my book, Hormone Secrets, which is all about um, hormone, modern hormone therapy. And as I got more experience and learned more, I realized that uh, there was something wrong, that these medications that we had experience with 
in the case of thyroid for 120 years, in the case of the other hormones, progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone, and growth hormone, for 60 to 80 years, we have this massive experience. They clearly work. They clearly are some of the safest and best medications in all of medical care. But the US FDA put black box warnings on them all as if they were some sort of horrible thing, claiming that there were cancer and blood clotting and heart disease issues up with these things. And so I got further into it and realized that the warnings were fraudulent and became convinced that the FDA, which I later found out receives 50% of its funding directly from pharmaceutical companies, uh, was uh, was the problem. And, and the pharmaceutical companies were the problem because these drugs largely would eliminate the need for um, some many prescription drugs, including statins for cholesterol and blood pressure medications and so on. So, uh, so, th so that, that became my uh, uh, entry into the corruption field. And then I took it step by step and gradually red-pilled myself about the whole thing. And I wrote, I spent three years on this and a year on Hormone Secrets. And I, I wrote this book. Uh, it's got a very inflammatory title. You can see that physician there with gold bars at his, uh, uh, you know, at his waist butchered by healthcare, which is the way I feel about the modern medical system, uh, because so many, um, so many of our decisions are, dis are decided purely on economics. And we've really kind of lost uh, touch with the patient first ethic, which is the most important ethic in medicine. It's not, it's not do no harm. It's patient first. It's do what you, it's the golden rule, do what you would, you know, expect others to do for you or your family. And so uh, instead, we have all these pressures and all these standards that come from industry and physicians who've been essentially purchased by industry um, to make up uh, medical standards and so on and so forth to sell more drugs. And a lot of it doesn't really do a lot for the conditions that, that they, you know, we've got these diabetic drugs and these or, or very overweight people that could benefit from dietary uh, control and so on and so forth. So... So I, I, I think that, uh, and, and finally, I got most interested in recently in the last six months in the frauds surrounding COVID and the vaccine and the, uh, uh, what we call the global predators who foisted this thing on us. So I, these, a lot of, there's a lot of ground to cover, but I'm going to try to uh, uh, chat with your listeners here and they can pick up my books on Amazon. These two books, I don't make a dime on these. They sell 30 copies a day, but I don't make a dime. Um, and uh, they can pick up the eBooks of either one for three bucks on Amazon, two ninety nine, And that's the lowest price point really that it made any sense at all. And, uh, and then, uh, um, so I think the best thing to do, if it's okay with you, would be to launch mm -hmm. into uh, some relevance of the hormone secrets to your campers who are yep. breast cancer uh, survivors or people coping with breast cancer. Correct. Mm -hmm. That okay. would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have to do a disclaimer here, and this mm -hmm. is just necessary because I'm retired, I'm not practicing, and I can't be seen as giving specific medical advice. This is for general informational purposes. Use this at your own risk and find yourself a licensed physician or other provider to provide your care if you get sick or you need help. Uh, so sorry about that disclaimer. But there is a remarkable story about breast cancer that I mean, you're, you guys just are not going to believe. Let me let me tell you let me tell you a story that you, I'm going to tell you two stories that you won't believe. Okay, mm -hmm. the first story 
is that we would be able to prevent 85% of Alzheimer's if all women took estradiol or estrogen, bioidentical estrogen, at the time of their menopause and their, their, thereafter. Now, that's a huge claim. But in order to back that up, I put 75 references in Appendix C in this book because nobody's going to believe that. And Alzheimer's is a freaking industry. It's, it, you know, it's, it's one of the most expensive diagnoses we have, perhaps the most expensive diagnosis if you count long-term care costs. And it can be prevented with bioidentical hormones, you know, ideally bioidentical hormones. And so the other story, that, okay, that's just going to introduce the story for the breast cancer patients. Mm -hmm. The other story is that we have a treatment for breast cancer that is no longer used that really works well. And um, we, it's, there's a literature about this. If you search, uh, do searches for it, and you can find out about it. And that is um, testosterone. And it, it's, it's considered a male hormone, but it's not entirely a male hormone. It avidly suppresses, it beautifully suppresses ovarian and uterine cancer and breast cancer. And it can work even if you have breast cancer. And I know somebody personally who went off to see a doctor that uses testosterone implants, right? And she got the testosterone implant. She was about 100 pounds and she was using a walker. And she went up to 120 and she is emailing me from the beach in Mexico now. So uh, this stuff works. It suppresses breast cancer. There's no guarantees in medicine or life. So, you know, but you can read about it. Uh, and there are physician referrals in my book. And there's a website um, in, in, that's referenced in Hormone Secrets of this woman who is a physician in Ohio um, and I'll recall her website in just a moment, uh, who, uh, who, who treats uh, uh, breast cancer with testosterone and is quite successful at it. And progesterone is helpful also. It also suppresses breast cancer. And, this, the, and in fact, it's the standard of care, in my opinion, to start these bioidentical hormones uh, four years after the diagnosis of, the, you know, after you've suppressed your breast cancer. And the, the, we have studies that show that people live longer if they're on uh, hormones. Now, just as a side note, everybody and his grandmother knows that estrogen causes breast cancer. Now, I've got to explain about that. Uh, we have this study called the Women's Health Initiative that was completed in the early 2000s and published uh, that studied drugs that were already out of date. They were already obsolete at the time that those study was run. And it, it, this study cost nearly a billion dollars. It, it was an international or a multi-center study. And the, at the time that the people, and this is all described in Hormone Secrets in great detail. At the time that the study uh, authors finished the study, um, they claimed that it that, that it, it proved various things. And this has all been debunked and I've got the references in here. Um, so the, the culprit, the breast cancer culprit was a synthetic drug that was a, re, a, a progesterone replacement called Provera. There are other brand names too. It's, it's uh, methyl progesterone. And that caused a very tiny increase in the breast cancer rate. It's almost, it's almost imperceptible, but estradiol or estrogen there was no relationship with breast cancer. And, and 
and it has many positive effects. So I want your le uh, listeners to uh, uh, research this stuff and, and learn about it. And I've got the references that debunk that uh, World Women's Health Initiative study. Those authors were trying to make a political point and essentially trying to get rid of bioidentical hormones. And frankly, they seemed to me as if they were paid off by big pharma to do this uh, because they came to conclusions that were unjustified. It, 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 it just seemed like an evil consequence and it's all been dissected since. Um, so the bioidentical hormones, the hormones that are the same as the human body are almost an unalloyed positive, right? They have many good effects on health. They probably make you live longer, but this is all covered up and suppressed and you can read about it uh, again in that book. Um, just to give you more background about these pharmaceutical companies, Big Pharma is the most criminal industry in history. They've had $80 billion in judgments and settlements to civil plaintiffs, plaintiffs and U.S. federal prosecutors. I mean, it's incredible that they're mm. still around. The payoff since 2004 for the biggest 22 drug makers have their own Wikipedia page of shame. I'm amazed they can't get it censored off of there. Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and GlaxoSmithKline have all paid settlements, individual settlements of over $2 billion each. Pfizer's anti-inflammatory Bextra killed 50,000 people and they knew, knew it would happen before they threw it on the market. I quote this uh, couple of people, the commentary about uh, Big Pharma. Peter Ross, who's a former Pfizer marketing vice president said, it's scary how many similarities there are between this industry and the mob. Obscene amounts of money, killings and deaths bribing politicians and others. The difference is all these people in the drug industry look upon themselves as law abiding citizens. However, when they get together as a group, it's almost like when you have war atrocities, people do things they're, they don't think they're capable of because the group can validate what you're doing is okay. And another CEO, uh, a CEO of Park Davis um, pharmaceutical CEO, Harry Loin said, if we put horse manure in a capsule, we could sell it to 95% of these doctors. So that's their attitude. And uh, they're, I don't know how anyone can trust them to give them, to get, to get an experimental uh, uh, substance put in their body. I mean, it's like having a mobster inject with whatever you want. They, they ruin their studies with the FDA in order to get the patent. The FDA permits it because they're uh, basically bought by the pharmaceutical mm -hmm. companies. And they destroy the statistics, they hide studies, and they, they uh, corrupt their research contractors in other countries. And um, the, it's, it's a totally sick scene. Um, our medical journals have turned into complete prostitutes. Um, their editors are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars openly each year by the medical industry. And corporate ghostwriters write 95% of their articles. And the, quote, authors are paid huge fees just to use their names. If this was law, business, or government, bribes like these could theoretically result in firing or criminal prosecution. But this accepted practice in healthcare, they, they're simply disclosed as, quote, conflicts of interest. So, I mean, it's, it's a mess. And I can, uh, I can go further in any direction you want. Well, this is, I mean, look, the thing is just already, that's just blown my mind because... Uh, you know, having touched on, you know, the pharmaceutical side of things, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, <clears throat> I did my research, you know, not many people do. And um, in my case, and I always say disclaimer as well, I don't tell people to do what I did. 
I, I decided not to take chemo, radiation or oncology tablets because in my case, the cons were higher than the pros because every time I actually went to the, radi you know, the radiologist and I asked him, what are the side effects? What are, what are the possibilities of anything happening? And pretty much it was always the bad side outdid the good side. So the good side was a, uh, like a, a short-term fix, but there's a bad side, <clears throat> and I hear a lot about it. Same with chemotherapy um, and the oncologist to the point where we go to the, it was, when I say the oncologist, they wanted me to do um, chemo tablets. And these particular chemo tablets, Tamoxifen. they wanted me to correct. Estrogen blockers. And I, yeah, and I said no. So you're giving I up the the key uh, the key hormone that keeps you alive, keeps your keeps your heart healthy, and all kinds of things. Correct. So I asked them what are my options, and she said, "Well, you can have a hysterectomy done, but yeah. then it's going to cause da, da 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 da." And I thought, "Well, you're not giving me much options." Now, in her little chart, she said, "In five years, say the chances of a secondary or dying of cancer." was um, like 0.5 or whatever it was, but the chances of getting a secondary cancer was 0.8. And I thought, well, I'm going to take my chances on my 0.5. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, but I am. Those, those statistics are indecipherable. Correct. But yeah. you know what I mean? But for me, it was like, what do you, I, I don't want Did you, I, it sounds like you had breast cancer in situ. Is that what you had? Uh, what does that actually mean? That means... <laughs> That means it's a very early breast cancer. It was established Correct. on biopsy. Correct. Yeah. You know, That's right. if, if it was breast cancer in situ, my view, my personal view is it's a fraudulent diagnosis because mm. as you've noted, the mortality, the only thing that makes any difference is how long you live. And yeah. the mortality rate for breast cancer in situ is very comparable to an ordinary woman's mortality rate. So that mm. whole thing is a fraud. And I, yeah. I can't believe they do mastectomies and chemo and tamoxin for that. It's sickening. Yeah. Yeah, and I refuse to do none of them. I and again, disclaimer: I did, I did, I've done none. You've so got a I good BS meter. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, and I. Well, the thing is, it's quite interesting because the the moment I was diagnosed, my doctor was, you know, my surgeon was. We must do a um, an auxiliary clearance of your lymph nodes. We must do this. Yeah. We must do that. And I was about to sign, and my husband said, "Stop." Let's go home and think about it. Your husband's got a nose for fraud. He has. Good and for that's him. what saved What does he do for a living? He's actually a life coach. Oh, um, and, and you know, and he does a lot of uh, work in Peru, you know, with um, yeah, yeah. shamanism and, and medicine work. But, you know, I just thought to myself, and I don't say to people, you must fly to Peru and get healed. I don't say any of that. I just tell people like you're saying, do your homework. Do your homework before you get anything in your system. Anything. Um, and that's what I do. I go, I do use medical doctors because medical doctors are going to give me a blood test. They're going to give me a scan. They're going to let me know what's going on. Beautiful. But when it comes to right, Grace, you need to do this. It's no such thing in my book, in my vocabulary. I don't need to do anything. Uh, who knows your body better than yourself, you know? So if something doesn't sit right, that's when I ask questions. But a lot of people, what they do, and I don't mean to disrespect, you know, physicians, but a lot of people put their lives in a physician's hand and say, whatever you say, doc, whatever you say. Now, let me ask you the question as a physician, as an MD, did you ever at any chair, any time when you were practicing, were you sort of 
asked to push a particular tablet, a particular medicine. You know what I mean? Like, hey, guess what? This is new on the market. Why don't you push this out to your patients? Well, I see. I was in cosmetic surgery. We were cash oh, pay. We weren't. Yeah, uh, right. We weren't really. We really weren't really under the control of anyone. But you know, they, the Botox people, and the you know, you can imagine the filler people. They went after us all the time. I think we should talk about the frauds in oncology, which I think yeah. is the second most fraudulent medical specialty after mm. psychiatry. And the, pro <laughs> the problem, I know that's a, it's a crazy thing to I say. Agree. And yeah. I, I got to tell, I, I back it up with hundreds of references in yeah. butchered by healthcare. Okay. And you can, mm. again, that's three bucks. So yeah. psychiatry, these, these doctors have a difficult gig. Right. They do deal with death and dying to some extent. They they have they, they have therapies that don't work very well, uh, but they have this incredible conflict of interest in America and probably in Australia. And that is mm -hmm. they get 20 percent off the top from the medications they deliver. And the drug reps call wow. them up and they say, Doc, you're at twenty seven hundred milligrams this month. You got to get up to three thousand and we'll give you a bonus. Honest to God, that's the way it works. It's it's bonus by the freaking milligram. And th what's worse is their specialty has about five or six or seven diseases that they can treat adequate, but adequately, but the rest of it is it's two months improved survival at the most. I mean, it's just crazy. And this is at the expense of things that cost $100,000 a year to start. And some of them are 200 or even $500,000 a year if insurance is paying and all that. So they're, the ambition of a lot of these guys, their their incomes have escalated with the kickbacks. The ambition of a lot of these guys is to put their patients in a room, you know, with the Barca loungers, you know, a recliner, and uh, <laughs> they've got fifteen of these things, and the and and they're all getting chemo, and they all the doctor just has to walk around, hold everybody's hand for a moment, and it's just like a money machine. So uh, I mean, it's it, it's I would try to do your homework. The other footnote to this is the medical literature has deteriorated to the point where nothing can be trusted at all. And the British Medical Journal is sort of the last man standing in the in these, you know, the top five journals, you know, that include the New England Journal and the Green Journal and these Lancet and all these others. The others are totally bought off. The Lancet published a fraudulent article about hydroxychloroquine last year that was so obviously fabricated that it was outed within a few weeks. The thing got withdrawn to the credit of Lancet, I guess. I mean, it was withdrawn because of the public outcry. Mm -hmm. But the British Medical Journal published a, a um, uh, editorial in July 2021 that was entitled Time to Assume that health research is fraudulent until proven otherwise. Can you imagine? I mean, that's right yeah. on the editorial page. And mm -hmm. Peter Gercha said earlier, he said, the pervasive scientific misconduct has led to a research literature where one has to dig deeply to find the few gems among all the garbage. So, you know, the, these these people are, are essentially bought off by the, the uh, uh, industry and the industry writes the papers and they sign. I mean, it's freaking sickening. And I'll, yeah. I, I'll, I'll take it one step further. I'm disgusted by, by my colleagues. I, I, mm. I know if we're burning down the respect that people have entrusted us with for hundreds of years. Mm. And right now, you know, if anybody with their eyes open should understand that they, I don't want to say that we don't do miracles. There half of what we do is, is important, but fully half of medicine in America, which costs twice what it does in 
Australia and other developed mm -hmm, countries mm -hmm. per capita. You're aware of this. You've heard this story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. Hey, we, we spend 20% of our gross domestic product on healthcare. You guys spend yeah. 10. And so mm -hmm. it's it's double per person. And Absolutely. in America, which, which has worse statistics than Australia or France or any of these other countries, it's like down to number 20 in terms of efficacy of the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. In America, 50% of what we do is either worthless or harmful. And that's that wow. includes that COVID vaccine, in my opinion, which we can get into later. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it's a it's a crazy scene. Well, then, I just next? just touch on just touching on that, you know, like you said, it's because, um, you know, I, I remember being, you know, I've, I've come to the, you know, I've been privileged to come to the US a couple of times, you know, come on a holiday and watching TV, they're talking about this you know, this tablet that, it, you know, smiling faces, you could do this all day, you could do that all day. And then I would, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I would sit there and laugh because then they're rambling off all the side effects for the next 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. And I know it's like they're, oh, by the way, just to let you know, these could cause da 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 da, -da. And I just thought, Oh, my God. So I have to say I am grateful. I am very grateful that in Australia we have none of that. We have none of that. There, we're not. When I say we're not pushing it, we're not pushing it on, on commercials or social media. I mean, you're, depending on your doctor, he could be pushing it in a different way. But I'm so glad that they're not pushing it that way because I do read a lot. And, and as we speak, and we're going into the subject after, you know, about COVID, Literally, I just got an email while we're talking saying my delivery is coming and my delivery is a book called The Plandemic that I just purchased. So, you know, um, and, and I'm not sure who the author is, but it's coming. So, but you know what I mean? Because I do my research. Have you got it already? No, well, this is, oh, that's Alex, Alex Berenson's book and it's it's excellent. Um, yeah. This one is called COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are yeah. the prey. And this, yes. this somehow Peter and Ginger Bregan figured this thing mm -hmm. out early. This one is $3 on Kindle. So yeah, you don't, you, you know, if you have to read a physical book, it's a big, heavy book. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And read yeah. the uh, read the summary at the end after you read the yeah. introductions. Yeah. Well, that's it. But going back to like what we were discussing with all that, you know, the thing is what I want, uh, you know, again, what we're here to say, like both yourself and myself, we're not saying don't listen to your doctor. We're not saying, you know, just go and do something else. What we're saying is be mindful, be mindful of the medications that they ask you to take. Again, my mother got secondary cancer with tamoxifen. So this is why the other reason why I decide I was dead set against it. And going back to the big money, um, I remember walking into the oncologist. I've never been there. When my mother was diagnosed many, many years ago, first time round of, of, of cancer, it was a tiny little building in a, in a, in a alleyway. When I went to the oncologist, they call it the Peter Mac, Peter McAllen Hospital. I walked in and I just thought I walked into a seven-star hotel in Dubai and I thought, this is where the money's going. That right. was my first, my first, you know, image. I was like, wow, this is, this is where the money's going. Now, when I told my oncologist that I refused to take what she's giving to me, her next words were, I don't have time for you. Get out of my office. <laughs> honest yeah. to good, honest to God, that I just looked at her and said, "Wow, 
thank you for being honest because I thought <laughs> you're not here to help me. You're here to keep me in the system. And in five years from now, guess what? I'm going to be back in the system with a secondary cancer. And I thought, you're not keeping me in the system. I'm sorry. So this is what I want people to understand. It's a, it, You're saying yourself, you know, people are making profits off this. It's not anymore about humans. It's about who's making the more money. And we always say the pharmaceutical, big pharma, we always say what they do is they keep you there because if they kill you, they don't make money. If they <laughs> heal you, they don't make money. So do you agree with that? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't push my viewpoints about the motives. In other words, mm. I, the funniest thing about this whole field is, I, and I'm, I'm ashamed of these doctors that haven't been able to figure out the COVID thing or the, uh, or the vaccine, the quote vaccine, uh, but I don't ascribe negative motives to anybody. I, I, mm. We don't know what their motives are, and a lot of them are just freaking blue-pilled to the max. I mean, they're, they're brainwashed, and the whole world has been brainwashed about this COVID thing and how horrible it is mm -hmm. and how the, the medications don't work and all this other crap. I mean, it's just unbelievable. The doctors are equally capable of getting brainwashed, and that not everybody has the good BS meter like you and your husband. <laughs> <laughs> but we try. We're, we're not. We're, look, the, you know, I mean, if, you, if we want to discuss now COVID, we can, uh, unless you want to discuss something else I, I want to bring in, the, bring in the point that there's only two kinds countries in the world that allow mm -hmm. DTC ads, those direct-to-consumer ads, and I believe the other one is New Zealand, and they apparently yes. have some better control over it, but yeah. uh, it's it's just freaking disgusting, and what they say about those ads is it's not that they're buying the space because nobody listens to the ads. Mm. They're buying the, the time between the space and the editorial content of the uh, right. sta stations and the social media and everything else, so they, they're buying off... And you probably are aware that this, quote, vaccine is the most profitable medication in, in, in history. I mean, it, yes. Pfizer's just, they've made a lot of money, but they made some mistakes. And I hope we can bring them down, which I can get into yeah. that. Yeah. Well, just going, touching back on the commercials, like you just said as well, uh, you know, it's, it's quite interesting that they have to put it there to market it. You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, what are you trying to do? But. Oh, yeah, I just missed my point on that. So if I remember, I'll, I'll come They're back to They're trying to get it. the, the but, patients to go in the doctor and ask for the medication. Yes, correct, correct. Yeah. And the thing is, because, you know, the thing is, you could say to me, oh, Grace, are you feeling, oh, did you eat something? It, you know, I'm not saying it's mind over matter, but sometimes it is. And you, I could walk into a physician and, he's, and I say, oh, I think I ate something that wasn't right. And he says, oh, do you start feeling a little bit nauseous? And I go, actually i do oh is your stomach hurting now and i go i actually it is you know what i mean and then they go well i think it's this look the you, you know as i said i work really well with my doctor and we'll come into the COVID side of that my doctor is a physician who goes by the books however he knows how i am so he's not going to push me to do things against my will so and i like that about my doctor because he doesn't push it on me but there are doctors that, no, you must, you must, you must. And that's where people, as I said before, they think, well, you know better than me, doc. What do you say? If I have to hop around on one leg for a, a year, I'll do it. You, you get what I'm saying? So they, they put trust all of their trust yeah. into them. Exactly.
interruption of the podcast due to the opinions of my viewers and my listeners in regards to COVID-19, my interview with Dr. Robert Yoho ends here. Should you wish to continue to hear what Dr. Robert Yoho has to say about COVID-19, please send me a DM. Thank you for your understanding. Yeah, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for being on my show today. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing everything you could with us today. And, you know, like I I will put all the links below and everything for everyone else. So again, thank you. And to all our listeners and viewers, like always, I wish you so much love and light. Thank you so much for joining me. I know you could have chosen any other show to spend your time with today. And I'm really grateful and humbled that you've chosen me instead. And I hope I've been able to serve you in any way. You know, I hope this will become your go-to place to help you heal, feel supported and discover yourself along your hero's journey. And if this episode helped you today, please subscribe and share it with someone you know that would benefit from this. As I've learned about my hero's journey through breast cancer, nothing we receive is for us to keep but to be shared. And I hope I can serve you further by sharing some of the tools I've learned along the way. And it's hard for me to share it all in one simple episode. So if you go to www.theangelsofgrace.me forward slash resources right now, you can find a collection of tools that might be exactly what you need to take you on your hero's journey. And given that I don't know if you're listening to this podcast at the start, the middle or the end of the day, I want to wish you an amazing morning, an amazing afternoon or an amazing evening. I am Grace DeAngeli and you listen to the Breast Cancer Hero's Journey podcast. Thanks again for being here. Much love and light.